You're listening to The Thrive Podcast, where every week we dive into a practical, tactical tip to bring you from a life of simply surviving to thriving. It's personal development for the everyday girl who is done with coasting through her days, done with feeling like she's missing out on the deeper meaning of her own life, and done with mediocrity once and for all. Because it's not enough to simply survive, you deserve to thrive. Welcome back to Thrive. If the new year has you wired, tired, and just plain stressed out, this episode is what the doctor ordered. In this conversation with naturopathic doctor, Dr. Lulu Shemek, you will learn universally tried and true ways to de-stress beyond just taking a bubble bath or going on a walk. You'll learn about the two different types of stress and what they each mean for your body, as well as what the heck adrenal burnout means, how it impacts your body, and how to fix it if you found yourself in a cycle of chronic stress. Dr. Lulu also drops some invaluable insights on triggers and how to medically and mentally change your trigger response if or when you're in what might feel like a stressful situation. Be sure to grab your freebie from Dr. Lulu with 10 ways to have more energy in the show notes below. Stay tuned through this conversation. Drop it five stars if you like what you're listening to. And now welcome Dr. Lulu. Hi, Erica. Thanks so much for having me today. I'm so excited to talk to you about fatigue and energy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Welcome to Thrive. We are talking about stress today and (laughs) and energy and how you can have less stress, more energy, all that good stuff. I think oftentimes something that keeps us feeling like we are just barely surviving and definitely not thriving, but (laughs) so I think this will benefit a lot of people. So I'm pumped, but before we dive into that, you are a naturopathic. Yes physician. Is that how you pronounce it? Yes. You nailed it. That's right. Yeah. Naturopathic physician. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you're an expert in what genetic, oh my gosh, genetic health. You worked with uh, people who've experienced chronic disease, autoimmune disease, digestive disorders, chronic pain, depression, anxiety, fatigue, the list goes on. It literally feels like we're talking about the side effects of a drug right now. (laughs) Right. Yeah. But a good one. (laughs) Right. A good one. So tell us a little bit more about you and your work and passion and why you love helping people and patients in this way. Sure. Yeah, totally. So, you know, I, first kind of like dived into what I do as a naturopathic physician by really seeing people, they didn't have the tools, right? It's like they had the toolbox and the toolbox was empty, especially women. We have so many things on our plate, right? And we're always looking for ways to, to get better, but then it's like everything kind of multiplies. So I really wanted to learn how to help people. And I started off as a massage therapist and I studied herbs and aromatherapy. And then I went to medical school for five years and now kind of like that's all together in my massive toolbox where I can help women to really learn how to thrive and be the best that they could ever be even way beyond that vision. And I use that with a lot, mainly with hormones. I help women, you know, and that's a really big box, right? So we have (laughs) thyroid issues, gut issues, like you said, chronic pain, all of those coming together, but a lot coming from that mindset piece. So I help women get back on track with the underlying issue of the root cause, but then from that mindset piece perspective, which that's what we're kind of talking about today is that stress component and stress hits so many aspects of our life. And so that's kind of a little bit about kind of how I started on my journey and and my passion about really helping women be the best they can ever be. 
I love that. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that's like a huge part of naturopathic being a naturopathic doctor, right? Figuring out the underlying causes of illness and disease. Yes. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's like the, the root <laughs> of yeah. what we do. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's the basis of all of our training diving. You know, we're not just treating the symptoms and that's kind of from that typical allopathic MD model, right? They're, you're coming in with, like, say you have um, stress, they're going to give you something or not that maybe they'll refer you out to a psychologist or something to help you. And then probably give you an antidepressant, um, which has really downstream long-term side effects and can a lot of times make your situation a lot worse. So anyway, yeah, we look at the whole body from that holistic approach, diving deep down. What's the root cause of what's going inside of you, but it's a holistic aspect. It's not just the physical body. It's the emotional body. It's a spiritual body. They're all connected that mental body. So you got to look at the whole picture to really figure out what's going on. So I'm often the detective. (laughs) Well, this is such an important thing to beyond health, even like in life, I think sometimes we're just so quick in today's society to band-aid problems. So instead of taking the time and experiencing the pain of cleaning out the wound, so to speak, I feel like we just slap on a band-aid in the hopes of a quick fix. And sometimes it works, but sometimes it doesn't. And that like seemingly small boo-boo can get infected and hurt more and cause more pain before it eventually heals, which is just like it's like so much of what we experience in life when we throw things under the rug, but eventually realize, Hey, we can't step over the bumps in the rug anymore. And something is going to trip us and we're forced to do what we should have done from the start and get to the bottom and clean it out and figure it out from the start. So I think that's such an important approach to all things in life, but definitely medicine. (laughs) Yeah, Erica, that's so true. And you know, a key point of what you said too, is that it's like naturopathic medicine is all about prevention and wellness. So it's like, we don't want to come into the problem with this mountain, a volcano, right. Exploding around us. Like where we're just trying to put out the fires to feel better. We really want to take a step back and hit into the journey of our health as a prevention model. Like, okay, you know, I know I have a really stressful life. What are the aspects that I need to do to help myself all the time, not to have this snowball effect or a volcano, you know, erupting all around me where then I have to, where I'm in the doctor's office every week, right. Or I'm seeing multiple doctors, you know, and that's a really preventative and that's a new way of our face of our medicine in general. I think mm-hmm. it's, it's so blown out of proportion. That's why we have so many chronic diseases. We really have to take the preventative step moving forward. Absolutely. I've heard the saying before, if we don't, if we don't prioritize our wellness, we'll be forced to prioritize our sickness, which is like, <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> that's, that's this to a T. So, okay. Stress. We told everyone we're talking stress here, which is like such a jam. So can you give us the 30,000 foot view of what stress actually is and the process that begins in our bodies when we are triggered by something stressful in our lives? Right. Yeah. And that's so important because I think, especially, you know, if we take a step back, we've been in this really stressful period since the pandemic, which I think one is one of the important aspects of us having this conversation today is that we have two types of stress. So let's talk about the nervous system in general first. So we have, you know, the nervous system, we have a central nervous system and we have the parasympathetic and the sympathetic, right? So that sympathetic, which most of your listeners here probably know this aspect, right? It's like that fight or flight where we're like running from the bear and we're like, we need to get out of the situation. We need to have that adrenaline rush. 
And then we have our parasympathetic, which is our resting and digesting. That's like, ah, like, you know, maybe we had a nice bath in the, in the bathtub with some Epsom salts, right? Getting into that parasympathetic mode. So what happens and what we're seeing a lot more of is that we're in this chronic state of stress where you don't have just one aspect of stress coming in, which have multiple roads coming in at one time, which then instead of having an acute stress response, you have a multiplied chronic stress response that is making that harder and harder for the body to respond. You're like living in this chronic state of stress response. So that's kind of like the basis and stress can have many, many ways that you feel stress, right? It could be from you know, it could be family, it could be finances, it could be health, it could be relationships, it could be, you know, there's so many different things that you have a stress response personally, it's very individual, individualized, right? But then when we take that and we're looking at it from the perspective of, okay, so I'm in this acute stress response, how do I respond? Or I'm in a chronic stress response. How do I respond? And when you're in that chronic state, a lot of people can't see it. That's my point is that you're, you're just so far down it. You're like, you're functioning on autopilot, right? In this state of stress. And then what happens is your body can have a lot of things happen globally inside the body, right? That stress affects. And it's not just one, again, one layer stress affects many layers because our nervous system like I mentioned before, is, you know, coming out of the spine, sending all of these messages throughout the body, how to respond. So you could have, for instance, you know, IBS is a great example syndrome, right? So if you have, say you're in a car state, you might be experiencing irritable bowel syndrome. We're having issues of constipation and diarrhea on and off. So there's, that's just a, one example of how stress can, you can have that acute leading into a chronic stress response. Does that make sense, Erica? Oh, totally. Walk us through a couple other, um, maybe the, the symptoms or the side effects of <laughs> stress that, and how it might be manifesting, because I feel like there are a lot of misconceptions around that or, right. or ways that it might manifest where you don't even necessarily put two and two together, that it is a stress response or that what you're experiencing might be because of stress that you're experiencing <laughs> in a different part of your life. And sometimes right. it's like connected, but doesn't always see seem connected Mm -hmm. on the outside, right. Where the dots aren't connecting. Yeah. Let's, let's name the top five. I think that's a great way to look at it. So one I mentioned is gut issues and that's super common because the gut and brain connection, right? So we have Mm -hmm. these neurotransmitters being released from the brain. So I didn't even talk about cortisol, but cortisol is our main stress hormone, right? And so when that is out of balance, it can send havoc throughout the system. So one gut imbalances are really common Two, as I mentioned, hormones. So hormones is huge when it comes to stress and we, our hormones control or communicate with our whole body. And especially as women, we'll see a lot of hormonal issues start to take effect, especially like estrogen, testosterone, and progesterone are affected. We'll see estrogen imbalance, for instance. So you could have, maybe you're having a lot of PMS symptoms. Maybe your hair is falling out. Maybe you're having dry skin. Maybe you're having excess bleeding. Maybe you're not having any bleeding. Like all those can be affected by stress. So, and then I mentioned the thyroid. Well, I mentioned hair loss, but thyroid is a huge one that's affected by stress. And we'll see people go into a lot of hypothyroidism and, you know, that can be weight gain. It could be weight loss. It can be cold, um, uh, and hot extremities. You know, there's lots of symptoms that can go with the thyroid as well. And then of course, fatigue (laughs) that's related to all those. Um, and then, So that's one, two, three, let's, let's talk about another one. So I think sleep is a huge one. So stress, I would say it's on 99% affected 
correlated to sleep because we see when we're in the state of stress, that cortisol is being accelerated, right? That cortisol hormone. And cortisol is highly, it's like it's sister with melatonin and how we sleep at night, right? So when we're in the state of stress, that cortisol is elevated and cortisol has this nice wave throughout the day, right? So when we wake up in the morning, we want to have this cortisol like shoot up. We're like, Yahoo, I'm ready to get out of bed. But when we're in that chronic state of stress, the cortisol wave changes. And then when we get up in the morning, it'll be a low amount of cortisol in the right in the morning. And then what changes then we'll have in the evening, we'll have a shoot up of cortisol. So you can't go to bed. You're wired and tired, right? It's like, oh my gosh, I just want to read my book in bed, or I want to stay on my electronic <laughs> device for another two hours. Then you look at the clock and like, oh, it's two o'clock in the morning. What just happened? <laughs> you know? So I think that's a sleep is so huge. So hormones, sleep, gut, um, and mental health is a really big one when it comes to stress. I would say that's really my other top five. I see so much depression when it comes to stress, because it's the hormones again are coming into play, but it's like, you, you don't know how to handle the stress. Like you can feel the stress mounting around you, but then it starts to like really affect that emotional and mental layer. And a lot of times people don't feel like they don't know where to go. They don't know to turn to, they don't have the, the person to talk to you like, Oh, I feel, I'm not feeling my myself, my usual self. Right. But I really can't figure it out. Like what's going on. So I think that, um, mental emotion, and that can be anxiety. We'll see a lot of anxiety with stress, depression, worry, insomnia, all those are really huge and interconnected. Yeah. That just made me think of another episode we did a while ago. And I think we were talking about the gut brain connection and the, the topic of depression came up again. And I'm really curious as to what you think mm -hmm. about this. If, um, do you think that depression is something I don't want to say as simple as, because I feel like it's a very complex thing, but <laughs> as simple as a, an existent chemical imbalance, as they say, mm -hmm. and then doctors will prescribe a medication and send you on your merry way. Or do you think it's more, much more complicated than that, where if it is something that is a result of stress that's let go for a certain period of time and left untreated or whatever, like some sort of, uh, interconnected maze, I guess is like what I'm envisioning mm -hmm. in my head where it's something that might not always necessarily be this pre-existent just up oh, it's imbalanced. Let's you need a medication to fix it, but something that might be something you can dig a little deeper in with the right professional to look at or fix in a different way. Right. That's such a great question, Erica. So I think when it comes to there's that stress is multifaceted and especially when it comes to depression, which is your main question there. So when it comes to depression, of course, I'm always going to look at the labs, you know, and really, you know, okay, first, like see what's happening. Is it something within the cells? Is it something actually within the genetic makeup that's going on? Right. Okay. So then we want to see is it part of that emotional component? Maybe it's a spiritual component. Let's look at that mindset piece. You know, um, are you really fulfilling your true vision in life? Where, you know, is that what's caused? And I see that a lot with my depressed patients. You know, it's like they're, they're stuck in this place, this path of where they're not really able to move forward. It's like the, everything kind of is this gray haze because they can't visualize that next step, that next vision of what my life can actually be like, or what I want to be, or maybe they have no idea even what that looks like. So we definitely want to look at the whole picture when it comes to depression and really address that emotional piece. And I see a lot of patients with trauma. It's a big aspect of my practice. And I see a lot of patients have had 
you know, emotional, physical trauma that come into the, the present moment with depression, right? But every, every health is just a moment in time. We're easily able to transport from today to tomorrow and be in a new place, right? It's just having the tools to work on that path. So it's not just about addressing again, that physical component just by itself, but when you, you know, maybe your, um, your body is deficient in a specific nutrient. So let's look at the labs and see, maybe you're deficient in magnesium. Maybe that's contributing to the depression, but also maybe you had an emotional traumatic experience that's also leading to it. So it's multifaceted. Yeah. That's, that's so good. I also feel like the word triggered has become so popular in today's society. Like everyone is triggered by something or someone. (laughs) And I know much work and healing on triggers can happen in therapy. Obviously I've done it myself, but I would love to hear if you have any advice on healing triggers from a medical perspective and not Mm -hmm. just, I don't want to say not just mental, because obviously those are also connected, but I I'm sure as we reprogram our brains and intentionally alter Mm -hmm. our responses to these, to stop where we might've previously been having like a knee jerk reaction to something when, whenever our triggers are touched or even pulled, um, I, I would love to hear if there's something that's actually happening inside our bodies differently too, when we, uh, when we're actually proactively addressing our triggers and how Mm -hmm. that can kind of be healed from that medical perspective as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. So I think let's, let's pick an example, I think would be a good thing. So I think anxiety is a huge piece. I see a lot of patients with anxiety. I know a lot of people right now are experiencing, we're talking about that stress component and anxiety is right there with it. So let's say you're triggered what your anxiety is triggered by, um, a social situation right? This is really common um, where, especially right now and where a lot of people are having anxiety because they've been in this place where they're afraid to go outside because they're afraid to be in public because, you know, the pandemic, there's lots of things. So that's a really common um, anxiety quote unquote trigger that a lot of people are experiencing. So, you know, then we have to look at the, of course, that physical component piece, what's happening, but we need to, it's all about, like you said, it is about reprogramming the brain, right? And so we're, when we're in a space where we're having a trigger, we have to first look at the, the, um, the nervous system and see what that trigger is, that trigger response is. Let's say for instance, when you have anxiety, you have heart palpitations, which is very common, right? Your heart speeds up, you have increased heart rate, then you have a ra- rapid breathing. Okay, so that's that you know, fight or flight response. So we wanna look at the trigger, what's the trigger, quote unquote, the trigger, but it's really like that trigger is an emotional tape loop that has that you've have wound up really, really tight inside the, the brain or whatever aspect. So we have to basically put like a, like cut the tape loop and, <laughs> and put like a, a, a pause in it. Right. So there's, a, there's a piece in that loop. That's now able for us to take a breath in the loop. So we're like moving, we have that triggered response. We're like, okay, so something's happening. And I notice my heart rate increasing. Then we have this pause and then we're able to put a new tape loop into that piece where we have a new response. That's all about is a new response to that emotional environment. So let's say for instance, you're, you know, like, okay, I got to go out to the store today. And I know that I'm, when I'm wearing my mask, like this, this is happening to me, like wearing the mask gives me anxiety because I want to be able to breathe. Right. And so you're, you know, you're going to be into this environment. You're going in, you're like, okay, I'm going to have this response. So what can I do? What are the tools in my tool, toolbox that I can one 
is affirmations or some kind of new vocabulary. Like, okay, I'm in every moment, I'm, my breath is natural and relaxed, right? So something where you're going in, you're creating this new environment because you have to be able to step out of the situation where it feels new, right? And every time you feel that anxiety response, you have to go back into that place of like that meditative, like calm response to allow that parasympathetic motion to come in. And for me, so I'll put like things in my mask to help me to breathe better essential oils, like rosemary, peppermint, eucalyptus. So then when I smell those in my mask, then that response is triggered a relaxation. So it's like, you really have to, it is all about like reprogramming, but that reprogramming, I think is also a lot about that, the emotional component, really looking as to why you're having that emotional response and, or physical, because it, it's, you know, they're really connected together. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. No, I think that's so important because, um, I've seen this happen so many times where people will say, Oh, I'm triggered. I'm triggered. And it's all their fault. And they just, right. people will expect everybody else to just somehow not trigger them anymore. When a lot of mm-hmm. times it's not their fault and they don't even know that they're doing something. They might not even mm-hmm. know you in real life. It might be through social media where people are right. being triggered by everything on their newsfeed. So it's so, so, so important for us to be able to take responsibility for what we can control and like make those shifts to intentionally reprogram what we need to, or even just Mm -hmm. be aware of, of where something is coming from and why we are reacting in a certain way and why we are being triggered. If we want to be able to move forward in a productive way and in a way that's, that's healthy that we deserve. Yeah, we can change our response at any moment in time, right? And so it's really all about the choice that we make when it comes to the the trigger, like you said, you know, like, okay, I'm going to choose to have this response or that response. And we're choosing, you know, it's not, I don't want to have the idea of it being, you know, a, a blame of the person, right? That's not what I'm trying to say, but we're choosing to be in our specific state of health. Like that's the, you know, so we need to, we have the choice to have a different outlook, a different aspect of our health. So that's the, all it is when it comes to stress too, we're choosing, we're choosing how stress comes into our environment, how we respond to that stress and how it accumulates around us. <laughs> well, and that's why I love how you approach it from the medical perspective too, because I think it, it helps it not feel like we're just invalidating people's feelings <laughs> or saying, Oh, right. just choose to be happy, choose something different. Like that's <laughs> right. That's also just not necessarily accurate or right or fair for people. So I think it's so helpful to be able to hear that you can fix it from this place of, you know, proven science where if you're stopping the, if you're able to logically stop something before you go down a spiral where your cortisol is spiking and all of your, and your body goes on this physiological journey, if you're able to kind of stop it in its tracks with intention and choose something different there, well, that, that is a choice that has, oh my gosh, like really long standing, like far reaching benefits that are, that are Mm -hmm. so worth it. So I think that's just, I think that's a really cool thing. Yeah. And you know, the other aspect that my patients love is to give something that's quantitative and qualitative, right? So when we're talking about testing, if you test and you see like XYZ is not XYZ, maybe it's XBC, right? And you're like, oh, okay, well we can do these things. And then in three months retest and see if we've had a change. Right. And so a lot of people need that validity and that, that is one thing I really love about medical care, right? It's like, so we can have, like you said, all of the aspects of that emotional and affirmation and meditation and that mindset piece. But then also if we have the, the aspect of, you know, oh, I'm seeing this, this change in my, my cells inside me, I can see that I'm absorbing more. I can see that my magnesium changed, my vitamin B changed. Oh, great. I'm also feeling, um, you know, a million times better. Right. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. So when it comes to something like stress or chronic stress, like you mentioned earlier, we know a big part of that is adrenal burnout. So can you break (laughs) that down for us and give us, give us the nerdy version of how stress actually affects the different cellular systems in our body and how that correlates to adrenal fatigue or adrenal burnout. Right. And you know, what's so interesting about adrenal fatigue or adrenal burnout is it's not really considered like a medical condition, right? It's so, that, which is really interesting because I have so many patients that have adrenal fatigue. <laughs> so I just want to put that out there. Um, so in relationship to, let's talk about where the adrenal glands are first. Cause I think that will help people to c- kind of picture of, of where I'll go down that road as brief as I can. So the adrenal glands are these little tiny pyramids that sit on top of the kidney. So when we're thinking about our body in general, they're on the, the backside of our body, right? They're protecting the kidneys on the backside. So it's something that's really protected in the body, right? It's like not, you know, our viscera, all of the organs are in the front underneath our stomach or inside the stomach. I mean, um, but the kidneys are really a huge part of our protective piece, but they're also really connected to the, the kidney system. Right. And so that's our elimination system. So let's talk about what the adrenals do because <laughs> they have a lot of different things. So they, even though they're tiny, they have two aspects. They have an internal and a, like a, it's called a medulla and an external aspect. So one good way to think about it is they, they control salt, sugar, and sex. So if you can remember those three things, <laughs> you'll know, and they have, and then you can know how you're feeling too, because that's a lot to do with the symptoms that you experience. So salt, you know, that, that might not seem like oh, I'm experiencing <laughs> a salt problem, but it controls aldosterone and it controls our blood pressure and our relationship in, in the, uh, in the body with salt. So a lot of times when people are in a place of adrenal fatigue or in a place of adrenal burnout, they'll experiencing one, a lot of changes in their response to blood pressure. Like I mentioned that kind of like rapid heart rate and fatigue, right? So it's like, you don't have enough like circulation in the body to like even get out of bed. It's like that, that's part, that's that kind of like picture. You're like, okay, so my body doesn't even have the, the enough blood to get my, my body out of bed and moving and do the things I want to do when I'm exercising, I'm having exhaustion when I'm, you know, even making breakfast, I'm having exhaustion. So that's that piece, that first piece. So that's the salt aspect. So the sugar aspect is your glucocorticoids. And so that's all about how we balance blood sugar. So a lot of times when we're in a state of adrenal fatigue, we're having some, there's kind of two pictures. One, you'll have a lot of weight gain. It's like, because that cortisol, you can think of that a fat tire kind of around the middle, right? You have this like extra cushion and that's because you're, your body is trying to protect itself because it's, it's losing its ability. Like the adrenals are all about fear. So you're in this place of fear. That's the emotional component and your body's having to hold on to everything that it can so that it tries to protect itself. So it creates this extra cushion <laughs> around you. And then also your body's trying to balance blood sugar. So when we're in this place of adrenal fatigue, you're going and going and going It's usually that type a personality. And so you won't eat properly. So you'll say, okay, maybe you don't have breakfast or maybe you'll go, you know, six to eight hours without eating. Maybe you're living on coffee. Maybe you're having a lot of sugar. So what happens is the adrenal glands are trying to balance blood sugar and you'll have these massive dips of sugar, right? And so you're like, you're trying to eat a healthy diet. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that's a standard American diet. Um, and you're finding huge crashes of energy throughout the day. Cause you're really not feeding the adrenals properly with good nutrients, uh, green vegetables, 
healthy fruits and a lot of great protein and healthy fats. Um, and so that's salt and sugar. And the third is sex. So I'm not talking about libido, but libido is a huge aspect of adrenal fatigue. You know, if you're tired, you're not going to want to have sex with your partner. That's like the last thing you want to think about. You're like X, X, no. <laughs> and so, but the hormones, so we're talking about estrogen, progesterone, testosterone. So those come from the adrenal system and also from the ovaries. So we're going to see a huge change in the relationship of a, how our hormones are balancing. So women will have huge aspects of change in their hormones. And that's why I like to see a hormone panel run like, okay, wow, your estrogen is really off the charts or your estrogen is really low. What's going on in the system? You know, oh, I'm also experiencing all these other aspects of adrenal fatigue. Um, I'm, I'm tired. My hair is falling out. My, my skin is dry. Um, I'm, I'm having weight gain, you know, all these things together. So I think that's kind of that, that component. I mean, there's lots of aspects of adrenal fatigue, but that's a good picture to think about the salt, sugar, sex. Cause you can kind of like, oh yeah, this is the aspect that my actual system, this is the part it's doing. <laughs> and then it's communicating with the thyroid. That's of course, another big aspect that it has to communicate and it's communicating with the anterior pituitary gland. So it's kind of like this whole cycle about how it's communicating in the body to regulate the hormonal system. Okay. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. So if you have a moment of realization or a revelation, so to speak, where you you're like, oh my gosh, yes, that is me. I am experiencing <laughs> burnout. Right. What do you do? And how, how do you not let, especially since you said, this is like a lot of type A people I'm sitting here like, oh my God, I'm type A too. Like, how do you not <laughs> let being too stressed, stress you out even more? <laughs> and right. what do you do to sort of get out of that cycle? So when it comes for the, there's, let's talk about that aspect, which is such a great question about that. What do I do? I'm so stressed, right? So the first thing when it, when I work with address, patients with adrenal fatigue is addressing the schedule. First, we have to make sure like, and that is a healing schedule. I'm not talking about just like, what am I going to do in the morning and the afternoon, the evening? Yes, that's part of your schedule, but we actually have a schedule of like, okay, when I get up in the morning, these are the things I'm going to do. I'm going to do healing things for myself. I'm going to take my healing supplements. I'm going to eat healing foods. I'm going to do my meditation and mindset component, right? And so then in the afternoon, I'm going to, again, have the schedule. So when it comes to adrenal fatigue, first of all, you have to have a very regimented schedule when it comes to healing, because that's, it's, it's like, you want to, you can address the stress, but you have to like schedule your healing time in until it becomes more routine. And unfortunately that's kind of the way it works with adrenal fatigue. So it's like, you're, you're too stressed to be able to manage it. Right. I hear this all the time. Well, I'm too stressed. I can't, I can't do any of that. I, I'm too, you know, it's like, I can't work on my self-healing. Well, if you don't work on your self-healing, your body is going to crash. <laughs> so it's like you, you have to do it slowly, start bringing in the things right on that healing routine. So that's number one. Number two is really looking at the diet, the, and I don't really like the word diet, but the nutritional component. And I work with the patients, have a, a whole routine or a nutritional plan that we look at. So you really want to make sure you're feeding your body the lowest amount of sugar that you can, right? Because we talked about that salt, sugar, sex. We want, of course, like food and things like that are normal, but we want to eliminate the inflammatory foods, which are uh, gluten, dairy, eggs, sugar, things like that. And we want to give the body lots of good protein because that's going to help balance the blood sugar. And then also we want to make sure we're getting lots of good fats because our body needs to take that good fat, 
make cholesterol and make the good hormones. So that's going to feed the adrenal system. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Um, you mentioned, uh, healing supplements earlier. So yeah. I was curious. I wanted to ask <laughs> you if you have any favorite vitamins or minerals that you find mm-hmm. yourself, either things that you love yourself or things that you kind of consistently end up recommending that patients add to their daily intake. Of course I do. <laughs> So, um, when we're talking about the adrenal system, what we want to do is we want to go. So I didn't really talk about the mitochondria. So I'll talk about that real quick. So inside the cell and there's lots of organelles inside the cell, and we have these little tiny things called mitochondria and mitochondria are the powerhouse of the cell. They provide energy. So when we're in a state of adrenal fatigue or adrenal burnout, you could say you went from this really great, happy cell with all this mitochondria. Now you're down to like one. (laughs) So you have one mitochondria who's trying to do all the job, right? So what we want to do when we're in a state of like toxic environment, when in state of adrenal fatigue is that unhealthy cell replicates. And then it creates a new unhealthy cell, right? So our job is quote unquote job is to create, to provide this bad cell, the cell that's not too happy with the nutrients it needs to plump itself up. So it's super energized, super happy. And then it starts to replicate good cells and our cells take 90 days to replicate a red blood cell. So it's going to take that three months. I always say to my patients, you got to at least give yourself three months to get these cells working again. Of course, we want to see some fast results with energy, but long-term energy is that usually that 90 day period. So what we want to get things to go in the cell. So Uh, magnesium is a great one because it's shown that magnesium really helps with the mitochondria of the cell. And a lot of studies show that women are really deficient in magnesium. It has over 350 enzymatic reactions that it does in the body. So we really need it. (laughs) So magnesium can be a great one. I usually recommend about 300 to 350 uh, micrograms per day, depending on the person but that's usually a good place to start. So magnesium is a really good one. B vitamins are essential because B vitamins are going to give you that kind of like that immediate energy and especially B12, B6 and folate, because again, working within that red blood cell, give the mitochondria, the energy they need and essential fatty acids. Like I mentioned that they're like the power fat (laughs) and you want to give your body the good fat. So we're talking about omega three. So taking an omega three is really important. Um, L-carnitine, is also a really good one. This will help with cellular optimization. So L-carnitine can be another good one to add. Those are just a few. Oh, wait, one more. (laughs) CoQ10. I love CoQ10 because CoQ10 is going to help with the electron transport chain. It's going to help bring oxygen into the system and help with the cardiovascular system and increase circulation. So those are my top ones. (laughs) Okay. I need to like print that out and take it with me to the drugstore to stock up on vitamins now. That's amazing. Okay. Now I need another quick list. Cause now I need to know, uh, can you give us a quick list of like your favorite ways to de-stress? Because I feel like we always <laughs> see the little lists on Pinterest or something like right. take a bubble bath or go on a walk, but personally bubble baths mm-hmm. stress me out. And like, that doesn't actually make me de-stress. And obviously it's different for everyone, depending on like everything. So right. I would love to hear what you love, or if there are maybe like any scientifically proven universally true ways to (laughs) de-stress. Well, that's a great one to start with. So actually meditate meditation has been scientifically studied. There's lots of studies out there on PubMed. So I always start with that mindset meditation piece with patients. And I, 
if you haven't ever meditated before, I'm not talking about, you know, like you're going to do an hour of meditation. That's not how I start patients off. Um, but you, but having at least like one minute a day and working up to, I try to have patients work up to 10. And the reason behind that is because you're, you want to get into that inner place, that inner place of peace and calm and quiet. And for me, I like to do kind of like audio meditations where I'm listening to music or some type of visualization because my mind is very busy. And so it helps to actually distract my mind. I'm a total type A personality. <laughs> and so, um, one is meditation that I, that hands down that is been scientifically proven to help reduce stress. <laughs> And the other is exercise. Of course, exercise again has been scientifically proven to reduce stress and increase energy. And when it comes to adrenal fatigue, I want to make sure this is really heard and key. So if someone is in a really extreme place of exhaustion, I'm not going to start them on hardcore exercise. It's not going to help them. So we want to do like basic exercise, maybe yoga, stretching, calming exercises, or just walking. You know, if you're like, I hate yoga or whatever, you know, whatever, like you said, I don't like taking a bath. So, but it has to be some form of, of relaxive, but at the same time, cardiovascular exercise, moving the body because we have to detox. And so another one is sweating. So it can be a sauna. It could be walking, it could be taking a bath, something to help the body to sweat and get the toxins moving out of the system. Um, Another one that I love is yes, taking baths, um, because it can, um, move you into that parasympathetic state and Epsom salt bath is a great one, but you know, if you don't like baths, like I said, there's lots of other things, but getting out in nature, I think is probably one of my top recommendations. And so if you're, if you live in a busy area, like even if you're, you know, in a huge city, you can still go and walk at a park and be with nature, you know, look at the trees, smell the flowers. If it's cold right now, put on your nice coat, walk your dog, you know, when you're in with nature, it's very healing. So those can be some basics. And then, and then I'd love for us to talk about herbs because <laughs> those can be very helpful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Aren't you like a specialist? Like you're a botanist too, right? Like this is like your thing. <laughs> Botanical formulator. Yes. I'm, I don't have a botany degree, but I love plants. Um, I work with plants all the time. I'm the, um, botanical medicine director, the plant medicine director at this farm that I work at the veterans healing farm. So I work with plants all the time because, you know, when we're thinking about plants are food and our body recognizes that it's the closest thing, you know, I was, we were talking about supplements before and our body recognizes those, our body doesn't recognize a pharmaceutical. It's like way down the chain. You know, I'm not saying that pharmaceuticals don't have a, a place, but they're not recognizable in the same way, even the same as a bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. That's not the same thing. Our body doesn't recognize it the same way. So plants are like, our body's like, you know, it does the little like dance. And so when we drink tea or take a tincture or take it as a powder, it's immediately absorbed into the system and recognizable. And immediately we see a change in our, the way our body responds. So herbs are great. And they're really so easy to use. Another wonderful thing I love about them. You can you, making a tea is like, you know, everybody knows how to make a tea, right? It's like so easy to do. And there's so many benefits. So there's lots of herbs that I love to use for uh, adrenal fatigue and stress. So ashwagandha, I think is, is probably my favorite one that I recommend the most because it has like this cushion that it like it gives you a hug when you take it. It's like supporting you in this place of stress. It's an herb, which means it helps us to adapt to stress. 
So if we're in a chronic state of stress and we're having that stress response where that adrenaline is running, we're running from the bear, it helps us adapt to the, st the stressors around us in a, in, a, in a better way and helps us to re-regulate those hormones, regulate the stress response. So, you know, I could name off all my favorite herbs, but ashwagandha, I would say, and rhodiola is a really good one and holy basil. Those are my top three ones I recommend for stress. Now that's super cool. And I knew basically nothing about any of those before this conversation. So <laughs> super helpful and good to know. Oh my goodness. Well, Dr. Lulu, I feel like I could literally talk to you for, I don't know, like hours about all of this. It's so interesting and fascinating and helpful, but to get things wrapped up, I want to ask mm -hmm. you something we ask all guests on thrive, which is what does thrive mean to you and how do you strive to thrive in your everyday life? Yeah, that's such a great question. For me, thriving is all about being happy. And, you know, when I wake up in the morning, I, the first thing I say to myself is how can I have the most fun today? What can I do to get me out of my box and help me to thrive today? And so I, I always try to do something a little bit different during the day to shake it up, you know, like, cause when I, when you're in, when I'm in the routine, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm thriving. I feel like I'm just not, you know, for me, I need to have difference and different things to mix it up. So I would say for me, thriving is just about being happy you know, just, and whatever it is that I need to be happy in the moment, whether that's a walk in the park or I'm drinking a cup of tea, maybe I'm having a cocktail with my best friend, you know, whatever it is, I just want to be happy and have fun and laugh. I love that. So what did you, what did you do today? Or are you going to do today to add fun and mix up your routine? Now I have to know. Of course. Well, I'm teaching a healthy holiday cooking class. <laughs> and so, so fun. I'm, yeah, I'm going to be making cookies live on Instagram. So yeah, I, I was a pastry chef back in New York a long time ago and I love to bake. And so, yeah, I love, this is my, my like jam, <laughs> which is funny. I make not making any cookies with jam. That's my total cookie jam. So yeah, that's what's making me happy today. That is awesome. And I will have to tune in because that's so fun. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you so much for joining us on thrive today. Tell everyone where they can find you online to connect with you more, grab all of your resources. Um, I believe you have a freebie for everyone too. So tell us all the things. Yeah, totally. So it's easy to find me on doc, D O C L U L U.com. Um, and then Instagram, you can follow me on Dr. Lulu Shemek, S H I M E K. And I'm all over Instagram posting videos and fun things to do there. And, um, I have lots of great freebies. If you go to the empower you on my website, there's tons of free webinars and there you can find the 10 ways to have more energy there, which is a great one. Wait, before you go, make sure you're subscribed to never miss an episode of Thrive. Drop five stars on your way out if you like what you just listened to. And come join the party on Instagram at thrive.podcast to stay inspired and thriving all week long. Thanks for tuning in. It's your time to thrive.